Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Rob Sestrino back for the Amazing Race 35 finale. And holy Shatner, it was a wild finish as we got through the Seattle scramble here on a very interesting way to end the Amazing Race 35. Congratulations to our winners. It's Greg and John, a come from behind win in the final leg. And we'll talk about all that and the tragedy for Joel and Garrett after being so close to an amazing race win. Of course, back with us, our amazing race panel. Of course, that this is the person that I would go to for expertise in all sorts of what uh, different bands are doing, Seattle or not. Jessica Lees, Jess, how are you? Great, Rob. I would caution against doing that with me because the last time I went to bar trivia, I found out that my music knowledge expired in like 2012. Oh, uh, yeah, same. <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's a hazard of of our generation, Rob. Yeah, I think it, it was a good run and ended at Call Me Maybe. So Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, all right. What a way to go. Of course, um, this guy is here. If you are only listening to the audio podcast, you're doing yourself a disservice. Of course, ready to rock out. Here he is. It's Mike Bloom. Yes, uh, this is where I announced that I am a drummer in a hit grunge band in Seattle, the Bloom 69s. <laughs> we do illicit covers of B-52 songs, and we're really... Cutting up the charts. If we could just find that console, that's really the only thing that's keeping us from going number one. Yeah, I gotta plug no, in. I, the wait, amp. wait, wait, wait. I am stuck on 
grunge covers of B 52 songs. Like I know Mike, you're quite a bit younger than yeah. we are, mm-hmm. but these are two very, very. Yeah. Mike, things. could we hear a little sample? Uh, like, oh, uh, yeah. could you, could you do a uh, rock lobster? Yeah. We were at the <laughs> beach. We had matching towels. (laughs) We're right there. We're certified platinum, pretty much. Yep. All right. So here we go. Amazing Race's uh, 35 finale. And I think the big headline here is we ended this, I guess, as we started the previous Amazing Race with the scramble Jess, unprecedented, but was this a good way to do the Amazing Race finale? I think this is a fantastic way to do an Amazing Race finale. Mm-hmm. I, they said it themselves. They have no way of knowing what place they're in at any given point. And I think that raises the stakes significantly. And it was like, we could follow it. We knew what place everybody was in. But it was also hard to gauge at any moment somebody could overtake somebody else. And I think that added to I think that added to the suspense significantly, because I think so many times we talk about this, the Amazing Race finale, they'll start off with some big like big ticket, you know, e-ticket thrilling task. And <laughs> it turns out that one per one team at a time can go on it. The team that gets their third is the team in third place for the entire rest of the ride. And that's not fun. And it's not fun for the team that's in third place either. It's like, oh, we got to the bungee jump third. So we got third place. What is our incentive to complete the rest of the race? And here it's like at any point, like you don't know what the other teams are doing. And then they all met in the middle, which I thought was kind of glorious. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, this was, I mean, this was gold in my opinion. This was one of the best decisions I've ever seen the producers make, to be quite honest. Allow me to be so hyperbolic about it. because. Why does Jess always say that the premieres and the finales are oftentimes the worst episodes? Because it's true. Be- no, well, not because I'm that, always right. <laughs> exactly. But what I think, uh, and listen, if you ask Morgan and Lena, though, they don't know which is right and which is left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's this idea that the final leg, especially, is so damn linear. It usually just takes place in a city center and you're just going from place to place. And from a narrative perspective, to Jess's point, it's almost always going to be one team gets out ahead and either they're like unstoppable. Maybe someone gets tripped up at a memory task at the end, but it's not actually very climactic here. First off, I give them a lot of kudos for not retiring the scramble. I know the three of us really weren't big fans of it when it was the first leg in amazing race 34. One of the reasons being as our job to track what goes on in the show, it was incredibly confusing to track 12 teams where they were in the race. So much better with three teams uh, and so much better with like fewer tasks. We know them better. And also, again, it creates this really great narrative where if you're going with the chronology of the episode, I thought, okay, Greg and John are in last. They're out of it. They're that third place team. They took too long at the glass blowing. Quite literally, they blew it or didn't. And that was the issue. But because of both the weighing of the tasks as well as the distance between it, we see things actually shift that, okay, now Rob and Corey are suddenly in third and Greg and John will talk about like by virtue of perhaps picking the right order to do tasks in, incidentally picking the hardest tasks to do first ends up catapulting them into the lead or at least close to it. So I think it really served as this perfect middleman of like making the editing and storytelling exciting, 
while also throwing in much more variance and chance for catch-up than we usually see in a final leg. Yeah, a hard agree for me on the scramble here. You know, I was a little bit nervous uh, when they first said that they were going to do it because it was a bold choice. But in terms of like much of the coffee in Seattle, and I thought that uh, to have it in that first leg where you had like 11 or 12 teams, whatever it was for Amazing Race 34, talk about uh, the, the, where they're going to go and every we had to go like couldn't really spend time with anybody. We're just getting to know the teams to do it here was just uh, such a fun way to do it because uh, you're sort of like, OK, oh, they took that much time there. OK, so that now they got to get through this and I don't know if they're going to go through it fast enough. So uh, really, really fun way. And boy, you really felt like that Joel and Garrett. Oh, they they did such a great job. And to just, I I, I mean, I, I mean it kindly, but fumble the bag here uh, with those two tasks that they end up uh, transposing. Yeah, which is uh, what our, our second choke in third seasons, Jess, at the final memory task. I mean, that's why we have the final memory task. That's mm -hmm. what makes it fun. At the point where Joel and Garrett got to that final memory task, I was thinking back to what we were talking about when they forgot their notebook right. at a task and had yes. to go back yes. and get it. And I thought we were going to see them saying, well, it's a good thing we got that notebook back because we remembered everything. And then that's not what ended up happening. It was such a fake out. Yeah. So can I go a little bit meta with this final memory task? And obviously we'll talk about it a bit more. Of course. But... I mean, so this one was interesting, right? It's not pay attention to the greeters, the flags, the the literal greetings. This was roadblock prompts and detour options. Now, what's interesting is, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jess, at the end of every leg, they have to return the clues that they got, right? So that's really interesting because otherwise it's like, okay, you can hang on to these things and then just memorize them. But otherwise... You know, you have to pretty much commit these to memory, hopefully write them down in your notebook as soon as possible. And we see what kind of screwed up Joel and Garrett. Arguably, the reason why Joel and Garrett are not million dollar winners is because there were two roadblock prompts that both dealt with heights that both sounded kind of similar. Yeah, you never know what they're going to ask you. You know that you have to remember everything that you do, but you do not know what they're going to what is the specific thing they're going to hang it on? And sometimes it's more obvious than others. Like we've seen like the task greeter be wearing something or saying something. And it's kind of, it's kind of discordant. And so you're like, okay, I got to hang on to that. But this, this was like, literally, it's not about what you're doing or where you are. It's about what they told you to do. Mm -hmm. And that is a hard thing. I, I don't think anybody was thinking they'd have to remember that sort of thing. Yeah. And the two things were so close. Like I almost say to yeah. the producers, like, uh, get your detour and U-turn name or your uh, roadblock names to be like a little bit more different than bird's eye view and uh, above it all. Come on. Well, this is this is what we've been doing the entire season, right? Haven't we been the ones to take the second stab at these detour options and these roadblock prompts? Mm -hmm. And ours are always better. Yeah. <laughs> They're not always better. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, this probably also explains why we didn't get one that was called this or that this season. That would have been hilarious, by the way. <laughs> right. And for Joel and Garrett, it just really felt like that this was their night, that they did so well on all of the tasks. And this was where they had a chance to uh, really capitalize. I'm trying to see. Uh, yeah, they did have the uh, first leg or first place finish a couple of legs ago. 
But it just felt like that everything was coming together. It seemed like that Greg and John, the machines, as they have uh, coined them in the past, were stumbling. And it was right there for them. And then for them to just miss it on this, like my heart breaks for them. I mean, we've all seen Terminator, though, right? The machines always win. No matter who's at the center, who's Sarah Connor, who's John Connor, the machines will always be there. They'll be back. And yeah, it was tough. And I felt bad for them as well, where... We've been talking about this throughout the season, the ticky tack, that they memorized the entire James Joyce quote, that they arranged all the wooden instruments because they felt, okay, maybe we get bungled because there's this one detail that we didn't miss. So when they missed that switch and they're like, okay, maybe these two detour options need to be swapped. They need to be in alphabetical order. Okay, these last two are on the bottom. Maybe we just move them up one spot. Like, I felt bad for them. You could tell Joel in general was getting really frazzled of like, if we're getting busted for that, that's absolutely ridiculous. And he was right because that's not the reason why they were getting busted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a point also where I forget uh, whether it was Joel or Garrett asked the other one, are you sure it's this? Are you sure it's up in the air? Are you, are you you sure? Like, yep, yep, yep. And it was, well, there were a lot of moments like that throughout Mm -hmm. the episode where it'd be like, there's like one tiny detail and you, the viewer know what it is. But they do not, and they keep like almost. It's like harkening back to that classic Amazing Race Nine scene of walking past the clue box. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of that this episode, and I think it really, it really spoke to like how exhausted they must have been, and how hard it is to just like keep the entire thing together just for that one last little push. Yeah, and then for Greg and John, it seemed like that this was an episode where they were making a lot of mistakes, and uh, it seemed like that. As we heard them talk about before, you could be a great team and you could just have a stumble at the end. And it felt like that had come a couple of times. Just I really felt like that, you know, an hour into this, I did not feel like that Greg and John were going to. I felt like that Greg and John were headed towards third place. I did as well. I thought and I thought it was going to be pretty, pretty road at that point. It seemed Mm. like they were. You know, they were they fell behind and it was like, are they ever going to like we're never going to see them in the same frame as the other two teams again. And then it was like, oh, everybody makes mistakes on this leg. And I think that's what makes for compelling, amazing racing. I don't want to see a team do everything perfectly. I want to see everybody screw up. I would feel like I almost I want to venture to say that is the theme of this season of the amazing race for me is everybody can screw up and everybody can come back from it. And you see people doing the most monumentally, mind-blowingly screw-uppy things and still being in the race and still living on. And even in the final leg, you don't have to do it all perfectly because everybody is doing it imperfectly. And I think, to me, that was what made this leg. It was a kind of a perfect capper on this pretty good season. Wow, how therapeutic. I love that. I mean, I think also Greg and John benefited from getting stuff in their wheelhouse towards the end. Again, the happenstance with which they chose the scramble tasks was like they got their hardest one out of the way first. Grunge, they had a little bit of trouble with, but then, hey, here's a nice physical, uh, not even detour, scramble option, I suppose, for you to finish it off. And, oh, here you go, Mr. Photographic Memory. Please move these kayaks. So Yeah, Johnny with the photographic memory. Johnny Five is alive. (laughs) Call him Johnny Million now, because that guy is a robot. But I, I think it you ended could call up him sort of Johnny five hundred thousand. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because hopefully they split it that way. I think you know what? I think John should get. Is this a hot take? John should get like six hundred thousand, if not more. It shouldn't be split down the middle. I mean, uh, Greg did uh, a fair share. 
that they got to the detail. They got to that task second, and from what it was perceived to us, John did the mm-hmm. lion's share of that thing. That well, John's the older brother. Dollars. Maybe he should get it. Maybe it's like a succession thing that he's entitled to a bigger share. I am the eldest son. <laughs> I'm the eldest boy. I get six hundred thousand. <laughs> oh, the John heads are are definitely speaking up about that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it, it really was like a nice alpha and omega about them as a team, almost like a representation of their journey on the race, right? That remember, they had that patch in Vietnam where they hit eighth place twice in a row and like they were legitimately having problems clicking, but that's much more a rarity than mm-hmm. it is a common place yeah. because once they were able to like click into their elements and do the things that they were good at, it was smooth sailing. Yeah, and they were a dominant team that there were very few things that came up on this amazing race that were outside of their wheelhouse or things that they were not able to really uh, excel at. Of course, they have that stretch uh, between leg six and leg nine where they go first, 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 first. And then back it up with two second place finishes before uh, first in the final leg. So truly like a dominant second half of this amazing race. I think it's fun when a team figures it out along the way. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, the least interesting is, you know, you have two teams that are duking it out for first and second the entire time. And then one of those teams ends up taking it home or even better. You have like an amazing race 20 situation where you have one team win basically all of the legs and then win the final leg so this is kind of this is a growth arc you know it's it's another sort of look at what you did wrong and learn from it and i think they certainly benefited from a lot of tasks that played to their strengths but they also you can see them learning how to run the race over the course of the season. Yeah, it was an interesting season that it was kind of like wide open in the first half. Uh, and then yeah. really we started to see where, you know, uh, Greg and John really started just to lock in and be sort of like the consensus uh, biggest threats, especially as like Steve and Annalie, who really were sort of more dominant towards the beginning of the season, so started to fade a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting to sort of traject, uh, do the trajectory, I should say, of like who were the leading contenders because first two legs, it was Jocelyn and Victor, yeah. bar none. And then once they go, that's when Steve and Anna Lee kind of take over. Of They get first and then in that like not leg and then second and then first. Again, Robin and Chelsea even squeak out a surprise victory there. But then pretty much from then on out, like once they hit Europe, it was John and Greg's to lose mm-hmm. the entire time. And so that's a really interesting story that I think maybe we didn't necessarily pay attention to amidst all the other stuff that's going on with all the other teams that sometimes that happens on the amazing race. Not to say these two guys are not entertaining. They certainly are. But I think they maybe took a bit of a backseat to other teams that were a bit more dramatic, a bit more colorful, and were obviously engaging with a lot of other difficulties when they themselves, outside of like a couple of things, really didn't do that bad for the latter, yeah. what, two-thirds of the season? And also, Mike, they were pretty much completely conflict-free uh, through yeah. the entire race. And that's both like in, internally in, in and externally. Yeah, it's in a surprisingly conflict-heavy season for both intra-team and inter-team. You know, Joel and Garrett were the ones that said, oh, we never yelled at each other. It seems like these two guys didn't either. Yeah, they had absolutely no drama with each other or with any other teams along the way on The Amazing Race when so many other teams were bickering and arguing with the other racers. Yeah, they were able to basically just like uh, keep their heads down and just run their race. 
which kind of leads to this being maybe like we were talking last week. This is maybe the least interesting of the three outcomes. Uh And we even said like they've had such a low profile. This is kind of maybe the least compelling story arc. But honestly, I think that's just testament to what a great job they did casting this season. Like, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a single dud in this entire cast. And we, at the beginning of the season, it felt like legitimately like pretty much every team in it had a shot at winning if they got the right assortment of tasks and they picked up the right lessons along the way. And that is unusual for Amazing Race, to say the least. Like, there's always a couple of teams in there that's like, oh, we we cast them for character moments, but we don't think they actually have a shot at winning. And so this was a very competitive season, full of some very big and interesting personalities. And Greg and John were never going to be the big personality team, but I think they were, it's better than them being the only team that's actually there to race. Yeah. The, the only thing I would say I was missing, because again, these seem like awesome guys. They had a great sense of humor and again, had that sort of calm demeanor that I'm sure helped them get that million dollar prize. I think the only thing I was missing was that the only, the emotional arc that they were talking about through the finish line of like, Greg has to learn that he's great as well. And he doesn't need to be in the shadow of his big brother. I think maybe it was just like the way the cards fell. I feel like we didn't really get that moment from Greg. You know, like there wasn't a, it wasn't like a Kim Holderness moment, right? Where it was like, she had so much self-doubt, but it turns out because she like took notes about literally every piece of garbage that came across on the amazing race, it won her and pen the race. Like yeah. I was waiting for that moment from John. I was waiting for like, okay, John, this is your moment. I'm sorry, Greg, sorry. This is your moment to deliver. And not to say that we necessarily needed that, but it kind of felt like I'm glad there was some emotional satisfaction there for the two of them. I kind of just wish in a perfect world, there would have been like a story beat that spoke to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of intra-team there there for for either one of them. It's like the lesson was, you know, Greg wants to come out from under his big brother's shadow, but it turns out that he should just stay there. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is also sometimes the Amazing Race teams feel like the team ends up being one single entity. And I felt that more about Greg and John than any other team in the race. Like yeah. they were just, you know, Greg and John. There was like one yeah. dude. I feel like that uh, Greg, I remember feeling like Greg was doing more stuff in the beginning of the season. And then I feel like that John kind of took over in the second half of being the person who was kind of the MVP of the season. The team. It seemed like, you know, how we always, you know, we joke about having the and Gary of the team. It felt like Greg was the dominant personality for the first half. And we, we saw him performing more tasks and he was kind of the storyteller. But then John ends up being the main guy. Yeah. I love him as Johnny. I feel like that Greg didn't call him Johnny until maybe it's like they're recording the confessionals after they won and they were like extra excited. But yeah, I feel like that Johnny as a character, probably like a little bit more exciting. Some more juice there with Johnny. He had some great lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he, he was like, he would sing to himself when he was stressed out. Like there were fun, quirky moments. Again, I think like, to Jess's point, despite this being like maybe the least characters in the final three to win and not having as much of an emotional arc as Joel and Garrett or Rob and Corey, I really can't complain. I really enjoyed this final three. And I think them winning is also a proof of their validation of their performance, which I don't have the stats. I imagine the two eighth place finishes are going to like tank their, you know, their average a little bit. But I have to imagine outside of that, they have to be one of the best winning teams we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, very dominant. Uh, as we've had like some very dominant, uh, you know, winners in the last couple seasons. And in all of the seasons ever, mm-hmm. a lot of dominant winners. Yeah. It, it's a lot of times there's not a surprise there. Yeah. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, the other two teams, but I don't want to go uh, any further without talking about Rob and Corey and their oh. amazing run that they went on here in this season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really thought it was going to be them through that first part when they come up with. Now, this is such an interesting comparison to last season's finale. For me, because last season I mentioned this time and time again, but again, it basically won them a million dollars. Derek X and Claire take a risk. They purposely backload Derek X on a bunch of roadblocks because they figure, okay, maybe they'll get more physical and that way I'll be able to sort of push through no offense, Claire, and take care of it and put us in the lead. What happens? They get to their final destination. There's a physical roadblock. Derek X surges out ahead and they don't look back. Basically, here we see Rob and Corey also take a risk. They have the three locations of the scramble and they assume, okay, so we're more familiar with downtown Seattle. And maybe once the scramble is done, the rest of the leg will take place in Seattle. So let's start further out and make our way back in. And I'm having trouble figuring out like what did them in? Was it Rob taking so many tries on the trapeze? Was it just like, pure fortune that they chose their hardest task first and like Mm -hmm. worked their way in. And at that point they had kind of fallen from first to third, or was it the brief snippet we got of them getting lost on the way to the memory task? Yeah. You know, we luckily like, uh, we know where these things are. We could probably look it up. Uh, what was the just, do you know what the place was that they had to go do the kayak challenge? Um, yeah, it was in Kenmore, which is North of of the main city. So Rob and Corey were correct in like their gamble, it was the right gamble to take. I think it was just a matter of the tasks taking a bit longer. Yeah. And then getting lost, I think, was probably what ultimately did them in. Because you see on the map, they show the map of like the three things in Seattle mm-hmm. proper. And they are going like increasingly south. Like the furthest one out was the furthest south. And then assuming you have to go all the way back up, but you do have to go all the way like back up through the entire city and wind up like kind of in the suburbs. And so you really have no way of knowing where they're going to make you go next after you do those tasks. So it kind of ends up being a lot of guesswork. That was the correct guess in this case, but I think it just ended up not being enough. I think honestly, even with getting lost, if they'd been amazing at the memory task, they might've been able to pull it out. But I think they just lost just that much too much time. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they could have passed Greg and John with the memory test because it seemed like that they didn't even screw up. So I feel like that once Greg and John are there, like I feel like it's going to be hard to start doing that challenge and then pass them. It seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but can I? Yes. If there are producers on the line, can I suggest hopefully they make uh, this, you know, finish line scramble a thing for future amazing race seasons and obviously it won't be instituted next season but maybe i'll put out a suggestion and i'll i'd be intrigued to see if the two of you agree with it or not can the prompt for the scramble they give you those three words can you actually get sort of like almost like a detour a description of what the task would be because mm-hmm. the implication to me was like you know we hear them driving to grunge they're like I don't know, we might, you know, uh, we might be performing, we might be uh, building something. 
I wonder if I, it's how about they, when they're going to grab and Joel and Garrett like, well, maybe we'll have to grab a fish out of the sea. I mean, I thought maybe Garrett was on the right track with the first one of grabbing fruit. Because remember when we started this race and there were so many freaking shopping tasks mm -hmm. and like handling vegetation. But I, I think that almost like a detour, I think there's also a fun additional choice of, again, Rob and Corey go off the beaten path because they take this strategy of go with the furthest thing and work their way in. I kind of like the idea, though, of if you also know what each task entails, it's like you have to do all three and it's between a, you know, dexterity, you know, very finesse task. It's a puzzle and then it's a physical task. It'd be interesting to see teams be able to make those choices also based on those prompts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, that seems like a no brainer. Yeah, it's I think it I think it's interesting. I feel like they're probably going to like overcorrect in the other direction though and what's going to happen is you'll just get three words and you have to pick which one you want to do first without even know where you're going is probably what is more likely to happen if you know the amazing race is historically um to be believed there um i thought it was interesting like rob and cory are with their knowledge of the area are speculating on where they think they're going to end up going. And so they do this kind of predicated on, well, we haven't been to Pike place market yet. And guess what? They never end up going to Pike place market at all, which I understand why, because that area of Seattle at night is not going to be a very good leg or a very safe one. Let's be honest. Um, but I thought it was interesting and them like kind of going through this mental Rolodex of like, what are the main, what are the main sites and, and landmarks and the amazing race final, final task almost never goes somewhere like that because they don't want reality fan forum hanging out at the major landmark, watching them do this, like, you know, solving a puzzle underneath the space needle and they know who leaves first. That would kind of ruin the whole thing. Although I, I shout out to reality fan forum. They're very good about, even if they know who won, they only tell you who the final three is. They never spoil it that nice. far, but mm -hmm. you know, not everybody is that classy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've talked about all the teams that in all of our excitement, uh, we failed to mention that we will have exit press coming up on Thursday with the final three teams. Uh, we will speak of course to Greg and John, the winners, uh, Joel and Garrett. And then also, uh, we will be making some uh, special accommodations for the interview with Rob and Corey. Rob and Corey have been in touch with CBS, and they have a very particular way that they would want to see the interviews posted. And so that interview will be exclusively on our YouTube channel, uh, where we will be able to put captions onto uh, Rob's signing for our interview with Rob and Corey. So that will not be uh, part of our podcast. You'll have to go to YouTube for our conversation with Rob and Corey coming up on Thursday. And of course, Mike, uh, not a problem for you on parade.com. Yeah, because I work primarily with the written word over there. Yeah, I'll have a full transcription of not only theirs, but all interviews. And I'm very excited. Again, as we talked about, like this is a really great group of teams overall this season. And so... I'm sure they're going to have a lot of thoughts about this final leg and about their overall journeys because I think all three teams also have like great senses of humor as well. So I think we'll have a lot of fun, all three of us and all three of them. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's talk about this final leg of the amazing race, the Seattle Scramble. And so the teams uh, were headed from... Uh, Ireland to Seattle for a trip to the Space Needle. And so um, both uh, Robin Corey and then Johnny also said he had spent some time in Seattle so that there was some familiarity. I got to think that that's got to be the thing where on The Amazing Race, that's just like the most like luck based, especially with that final leg of like, I've been to this city. I got this. I've been here. I mean, with no offense to the Beekman boys, that is 100% the reason why they won their season. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, this is like how the Amazing Race, if we're going deep into the lore, this is how the Amazing Race initially becomes iconic because we have a oh, team yeah. making that assumption and completely failing. Um, you have at the very last leg of the very first season, you have you have Frank insisting Oh, this is where we live. We're going to go right past my house. I know what roads to take. I know yep. how to get there. And he ends up being wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. It's it's bad. like a it's like a localization five hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was and he was running it with his ex-wife. And at that point, she's like, yeah, it's definitely over. This is not this is not a, this is not happening any further. <laughs> were they exes at the time? Yeah, they well, I think they were separated, but they did get back together. Oh, oh, really? Or yeah, they got back together for several years after that. And they had another child and then they ended up splitting up for good. Mm -hmm. Uh, We spoke to Frank, I think, ahead of the season 25 season. Yeah. All right. Because wasn't he? He was at the starting line. Yeah. 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 Okay. Frank and Margarita. Yep. Mm -hmm. Frank and Margarita. Yeah. There you go. Um, so then, uh, our teams were going to go to Seattle, go to the space needle for a little, uh, orbit around the space needle. Shout out to Frazier now on Paramount plus. Yeah. If they had really thought ahead of time, like should Kelsey Grammer have been there? Mm, Probably not. He's in Chicago now, isn't he? Or no, he went back to Boston, Boston. right? Yes. I don't know. I watched the first five minutes of, of the new Frazier Mm -hmm. and it's literally the worst thing I've ever seen. On oh, television. really? I, I, I so I watched it on now, a plane. Wait, yes, did you watch it in black and white or did you watch it in color? <laughs> I, I don't even remember. I felt like all the color was leached out of the universe. Yeah. The first time that laugh track kicked in on something that was not at all funny. Well, I yeah, like, I no, felt like that it was a thing that I was like, oh, this is like not a thing that belongs in 2023. But I did feel like it was like a little bit of a throwback. Look, you could do a reboot. Mm-hmm. You could do a sitcom reboot well in 2023. Mm-hmm. Like 
the Night Court reboot, perfectly fine reboot. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Frasier, upsettingly bad. <laughs> I just need to know if Frasier Crane says the word woke. That's really all I'm curious <laughs> about. <laughs> I, I think he says it a lot, I think, from what I understand. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we won't get into in what context. Okay. All right. So then let's uh, go and walk around Space Needle. This was fine. Uh, <laughs> I did like, though, that go find the man with the red and yellow tie. And if I had to guess, I would have said, like, oh, I wonder if Mike has the red and yellow tie that this man had. I do, actually. Yeah, because the uh, colors of my fraternity were Harvard Crimson and Gold. Uh, so I, I do have that around, uh, but listen, I opted for the much more, uh, uncouth look. I just say, if you see this guy standing in front of the gardens, like there's something growing in those gardens. That's probably until recently, very illegal. Okay. All right. Well, head on over to the Chihuly gardens and glass, uh, center for the Seattle scramble is on grunge grab and glass. I feel like the Seattle scramble sounds like a breakfast dish that should have clams yeah, in it. Yeah, I'll have the uh, Seattle scramble. It's like it's like it's like clams and Tillamook cheddar and <laughs> and apples. Oh my god! I'm not too mad at it actually. <laughs> it sounds awful. Apples and cheese go well together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So the Seattle scramble. Do you think that they started this just with the alliteration of like, uh, or do you think they started with the idea for the scramble? Like, okay, where can we go? Sacramento? Wait, no. It, yeah. Is there like a Don Draper in the room that just like writes it on the whiteboard and leaves it there? And mm -hmm. everyone's like, all right, how do we make that happen? It's not a final leg. It's a scramble. Like, wow. It's like, the, it's like the carousel. It's always turning. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, but how will we know who's in like, we won't, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be iconic. All right. So, all right. We're going to see Rob and Corey. They're going to go to grab. And then, uh, the other two teams, we're going to go to glass. Uh, let's just talk about the three tasks and then, uh, their degrees of difficulty. I guess let's do grunge last. Cause that's where all the teams went last. Uh, let's start with grab. Uh, this just what seemed like. This would be like a very high degree of difficulty where both partners had to do this. Like, I kind of feel like that there are probably many teams in Amazing Race history that I feel like would never be able to complete this. Like who? I don't want to name names, uh, but I kind of feel <laughs> like that, you know, people have like a like it, it, was Steve going to be able to ever get this? It wasn't that hard. It was just like a matter of getting yourself swinging hard enough and timing it right. It didn't seem like anybody struggled with it so hard that it threw them off. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the biggest issue, I think, was that there was a certain amount of like acrobatics, quite literally, when it came to getting your legs in a certain position where you could swing them up. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we saw happen a lot with like Joel and Garrett when it only took them three tries, but like. I felt like Joel from the first time to the third time was completely night and day where it's like, you have to very smoothly swing your legs out in proportion with your arms. I I'm kind of surprised that people dropped right after they hooked their legs around. Like, I think you could just build up enough momentum swinging back and forth, but I guess once you stop, it's just very hard to get it started again. Yeah. I just feel like that there was probably like a certain degree of physical fitness that was required that I feel like that we don't, uh, 
like normally get on an amazing race, especially when it's a roadblock and both of the teams have to do it. Like I could see this more as like, um, or I'm sorry, as, as a, uh, in a detour where both teams have to do it, where if it was only one partner has to do it, I could see that a little bit more, but I did think that that was a little tough, uh, a big ask for all these teams. I feel like all of these teams got through river dance and granted mm -hmm. that was a roadblock, but it was yeah. arguably the less physically dominant in every case. I feel like, Steve can do river dance. He could probably do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, there was, I will say a little bit of an ageist challenge where the three younger men did it basically no problem and the three older men had significantly harder times. Yeah. There's a flexibility element to Flexibility it as well, for sure. Yeah. So... Yeah, that was the uh, the grab task. I guess uh, look like fun. Got to find out from Johnny if he ended up taking an acrobatics class after this. He looked like you know he looked like he was very in his element. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only person I guess who had the most uh, struggles with this was Rob, who ends up taking what five tries to get this. Yeah, yeah but five tries is nothing. Nothing when you compare it to like some of these tasks that take like you know, 15 and 20 tries. Mm -hmm. Like this is not dancing yeah. with a jar on your head. Yeah. Kudos to Joel and Garrett. Cause I really thought they had it after they like were able to get through this with just like two tries. And I think that that was like, uh, was that the one that they had to do last? And so I was yeah. like, Oh, I think they got this. I think they got it. Yeah. You know, it was very exciting. I was, I was, I was pumped for them. Yeah. Mike, I'd hate to see like one of those like win probability charts uh, that they have for some of yeah. these football games. But I had to feel oh like, my God. That, boy, uh, for Joel and Garrett, they had to be like around like 90 percent at that point. Was this Joel and Garrett's 28 to three? <laughs> no, I don't know if it was quite that uh, big, but it seemed no. like. A, yeah, I would say the Stephen and Lee beating Morgan and Lena to the pit stop was the 28 to three mm. of this season of like, they were dead in the water and somehow caught up. Joel and Garrett was like the, Oh, like the underdog is actually taking the lead in this. Okay. We could see them win. Oh wait, no, they get shut yeah. down at the end. Yeah. They didn't know. Sometimes when the underdog like uh, catches the car, they don't know what to do with it. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's talk about the glass. Okay. Boy. Um, this looked like the hardest one. Yes. Honestly. Oh yeah. By this far. was this was nuts. Yeah. And the fact well, apparently that apparently it took Robin Corey one try to do. So yeah, and Joel and Garrett, it was kind of like the same thing. They were they breezed right through it. So I think it must have been much easier than it looked. Mm -hmm. But there was there was definitely there were a lot of little pieces of it that you had to get the technique on. You had to get the technique on. Uh, there's yeah, a couple of points where, by the end of it. yeah, I think that uh, you could have some choice freeze frames. Like, what are they making? What are these people doing? What is this? What is <laughs> Again, going on here? What's uh, what's legal in Seattle recently? Okay, mm -hmm. I understand it. Mm -hmm. uh, the four inches. Okay, you're packing a pretty big bowl, but let's 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 do it. I don't judge you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I thought we could have gotten a lot more theatrical with this. Like, there was a point where one of the balls was a fail. Yeah. And it immediately broke on the table. Yeah. It was like, you know, that task judge should have been smashing them against the wall every time they got one wrong. <gasps> yeah. You ever watch a blown been... away on Netflix, Jess? I have not seen it, but I have heard that it's incredible. Yeah. They, I think they do take the stuff and smash it uh, when they don't like it. And I believe Mike uh, hosted by <laughs> Big Brother's own Nick, Nick Uhas. I was going to say that's Nick Uhas' <laughs> gig, that. right? 
<laughs> I'm, so, I'm glad he landed on his feet. Yeah. I mean, they do make but, amazing things, but it's like, uh, we're in a room with like a 900 degree oven. Like, uh, the people are just like drenched in sweat. Like, it's wild. I will say, I, I, I do agree it would have been more fun to just have, you know, the task judge like measure it with the little scope, dash against the wall, make it again. But that doesn't really feel like the Seattle vibe to me. <laughs> uh, we will talk about the harshest task judge of uh, the race when we get back to grunge. I love that guy. <laughs> oh, my God. That no nonsense booker is so good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, Greg and John, they look like they got the hang of it first, but then they were having like the most trouble with like uh, getting the uh, glass ball to be the right size. Just needed bigger balls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even when they did, there was like they had problems with knockoff, I think, as well. Right. They hit it too hard or they hit it at a different point where like it snapped off and then shattered. So, yeah, I think to Jess's point, like once they figured out how to do it, it seemed like everyone struggled initially with like, how do you actually blow it and spin it at the same time, which was my favorite childhood game. Uh, but I, I think that. Once they figured out an actual method and like watched it once or twice for Rob and Corey and for Joel and Garrett, it actually took surprisingly little time to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Joel and Garrett got through first and that was like the first sign of like, oh, hold on. Could this be Joel and Garrett's day? Because Greg and John, it seemed like that this was of the three tasks. It seems like the one that they had the most difficulty with and they were having to do it over and over and over again. And I was like, oh, this is it. Joel and Garrett headed towards third place here today. But eventually they get through. Um, all of the teams end up at grunge for the same time. And I thought this was like shades of like uh, the Amazing Race 31 final leg of yeah. basically like we love to have people set up for a, a rock band. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic uh, it's fantastic hook and it, it's an you can have it inside a space where you don't have the public in your face. And, you know, we're, we're hearkening back to some of Seattle's greatest cultural contributions, but I think the headline here is definitely, it's definitely their task judge who mm -hmm. is one of the greatest task judges in a season full of great task judges. Yeah. I just want them to be meaner. Yeah. He was so over it. He was so over it. I love it so much. Yeah. So Wait, do you think he brought that energy or do you think Bertram is there behind the scenes being like, okay, can you be a little more, bit more of an a-hole? More. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you'll never make it in this town. You'll never Joel make it in this town. Set it up this way. Yeah. So, okay. So this is one point where Joel and Garrett are talking and is it Joel that's like, oh, you know, I actually have a roadie jacket from my wife for Weezer. Yes. And then the guy says like, hey, Time to get rid of that Weezer roadie jacket. You'll never make it. <laughs> Imagine if he did, like, dear Weezer. Yeah. Apologies. I'm returning this to you. Mm -hmm. I'm not deserving of this jacket because I did slightly fail at a task where I couldn't figure out that the cables for an amp were inside the amp itself. I apologize. I thought amps were full of things like wires and mm -hmm. metals. Silly me. Ooh, wee, ooh, I do not like, but look like Buddy Holly. <laughs> Sincerely yours, Joel Strasser. Hey, Joel, Weezer just called and said that. Uh, hold on, I gotta get my, my Weezer songs right. Uh, I was gonna say you're a creep. That's Radiohead. <laughs> I was gonna say got it wrong. Yo, I, I was gonna say his, you're a loser, and that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, his task performance came undone. Uh, yeah. That's there what we you're go. looking for. 
<laughs> hey, it's your cousin, Marvin. Marvin Weezer. <laughs> you want to hear about a roadie who effed it up? Well, listen to this. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, I hope that tomorrow uh, Joel's wearing the Weezer roadie jacket. I'm going to ask him to produce it. <laughs> See if you can put it on. Yeah. Well, actually, right. no, because he'll be in New York. So I don't know, unless he brought it to the party. Hey, you need a jacket. It's quite cold. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Can, yeah. Can, we, can we assign each one of us to one of these three bands that are okay. facing off in these Battle of the Bands? So we have the Black Tones, Smoky Brights, and La Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, okay, I have to ask about La Fonda here. Is this a Napoleon Dynamite reference? I, it was, so it was L-A space F-O-N-D-A. It's not but like, spelled the same. I, I can't help but think of it, right? Yeah. Like, how can you Well, not? and these are real bands, by the way. Really? Yeah, they're not made up. Like, you can look at them on, on Instagram. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, these are... <laughs> are they going to get the Amazing Race bump? Well, yeah. You have to, real like, Seattle bands. What's harder to do? Get a Seattle band to come and play in a club for a few minutes or recruit a bunch of actors and get them to play a coherent song and pretend to be a band. Like, mm -hmm. the, are, do you want to just get the Beatles in here or you'd want to actually go out and cast the monkeys? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, La Fonda, they're, uh, they're real. I think my favorite was the black tones because they were singing about having a spider in your room. Yes. And that was like the only substance of the song. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, there's something very talking heads about writing a song about something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah it's not just a you know failed relationship here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the Black Tones, their real band, theblacktones.com. You think these bands will be like uh, as seen on The Amazing Race 35? If they don't post it to their Insta, they're they're idiots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that's like all their original songs. So, like, yeah, you get 30 seconds of your original song played for millions of people. Mm -hmm. Unless they had to write a song like specifically for it. Yeah. Which would explain why there's a song about a spider. Mm -hmm. as, yeah. as much as I love the task judge, I kind of would have loved if the band walked out there and like started playing. They're like, where's our power cables? Oh, man, we can't play anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, you you guys failed. are fired. This is so not rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, which and band? The glass against the wall. <laughs> which band uh, do you all think has uh, the most Instagram followers? Ooh, I'm going to say Smoky Brights. Yeah, yes. Smoky Brights. No, Black Tones. Oh, yeah. yes. Almost People like triple up. Song. Yeah. I think wow. um, that the uh, Smoky Brights, I think I have like five. Uh, La Fonda has like six and then 15,000 followers for the <laughs> okay, Black Tones. 5,000 or 6,000 or five. Or five. <laughs> 5,000, 5,000. Yeah. I was going to say, everyone 5K. in the city, Smoky Brights follows the, follows the band and that's it. Yeah. This is this is like the time um, yeah. Amazing Race Canada had a task around this traveling, this mobile record store. It was like a record store out of the back of a van and you had to follow them on Twitter and find out where they were going to be next and then like go to the next location. Mm -hmm. And Dan Heaton and I go on there and we're like, oh, they have 172 followers. Let's see if we can get those numbers up and we doubled them overnight. Nice, so. nice. Uh, fun fact, uh, the Black Tones are rock and roll twins, Eva and Cedric Walker. Wait, but where were, what, what were the rest of them? <laughs> the, yeah. the, the front people isn't there yeah there was a third person on stage with them is hmm. this one of those stealing angels situations no, they, they may just need like backup people oh it could be like session people are, yeah. do they have to be in the family 
Yeah, these are the black tones. Yeah. They're like the white stripes. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Are, wait, so then are they dated or are they related? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, is that, that's not... Uh, yeah, yeah that, uh, that that they thought Jack White and his sister were siblings until they revealed that they were actually dating. Okay. Yeah, I might have uh, still not gotten that memo, but uh, we'll, you know. I still don't know which one is actually true. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Schroeding, yeah, it's Schrodinger's band. Schrodinger's band. All right. So, yeah, the bands uh, were all there. I do feel like that this would be a task that I feel like that I would. I feel like I've hooked up enough podcast equipment. I think I would be okay in this one. Now, would you know, though, about the nifty little trick that the thing that goes on top of the app is actually just flipped on the underside of said amp? No, I don't think so. Not a lot of amplifiers in uh, my podcast setup uh, here. Um, I also thought it was interesting. So, you know, if we would have seen where Greg and John didn't win and potentially like if if they helped out Rob and Corey, like, uh, I mean, was it was it John? Like, uh, what a nice guy. What a mensch. Like, hey, yeah, you got to plug all this stuff in. Yeah, and I think my favorite my favorite part of this whole sequence is John flipping up the lid of the amp and having his hand resting on the thing. And then he's like, oh, no, this isn't it. And then he puts it back on there. Oh, yeah. It's just like if they had lost the race, that would have been the moment that they lost it. Do you think the issue is that it was so dark in there and the cables are black and they're at the bottom of like this like black no, box? It's not that dark I mean, in there. <laughs> I mean, I think the assumption is like, like they thought, okay, there's probably like a little box that's supposed to be separate that you put on top. I, I mean, brilliant on the amp constructor to be like, hey, we could just like affix that to the underside so that it could flip open very easy. I just don't think they realized it'd be that convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, that was uh, like just uh, pretty wild that, you know, the teams figured it out. And then I feel like Rob and Corey were not like sharing information with Greg and John. No, they were not paying it forward. Yeah, but we saw this with Corey back during the the wooden uh, carriage roadblock, right? Like he sees Joel and just slowly walks by him like they were not completely on the Robin and Chelsea level of like, we're not going to help you. But at the same time, they're certainly like, "Mm, if this is going to help us get ahead, uh, mum's the word. Mm -hmm. All right. So once the teams got through the old Seattle scramble, okay, now they were going to uh, head on out to the airfield to do the kayak challenge. Now, just maybe was I missing something? Why did they go to an airport to move <laughs> boats? Well, it's a, it's not it's an airport for seaplanes. Ah, and that's like a that's a Pacific Northwest thing. Is is these little planes that land on the water so you Mm -hmm. don't have to have a runway you just have to have like enough water Mm -hmm. okay maybe that was the task of all these boats ended up at our airport i don't know what they're doing here please order them so we can (laughs) ship them out please they should have like the boats are the roadblocks and the planes are the detours Mm -hmm. or something like that (laughs) yeah so they have to go through it and joel and garrett they get there first and they're winning and they are getting uh they got uh set up but we get the the old chimes that uh, when they're setting it up and it's like, okay, well, they'll figure it out. Right. They right. eventually, to be fair. Right. And apparently we found out from what? Didn't Greg say on the mat that they were 120 seconds ahead of Joel and Garrett? So they did catch up. And I'm sure we'll ask them tomorrow, like, how much time did they spend at that task after Greg and John left? Was it just a matter of... Greg and John got it in one try and then Joel and Getter are like, oh yeah, we should switch this. And then they immediately got it too. So it really was like a two-way foot race. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how the editors can kind of take a tiny moment and blow it up big to tell the story. Like it's a piece of molten glass. Yep. 
Yep, this is like this could have been this could have been four inches across, or it could have been way bigger. Than that. We don't really know. <sighs> okay. People who are just listening to the podcast are just going to be so weirded out as to what that noise that was, was. That was me making glass. They thought your mouth trumpet broke. No, no, it's a, yeah. I, that was the the mouth boobazilla. And, and then the the trick is then you got to not let the air out. That's the trick. Okay. So, yeah, but here comes Greg and John, and Greg tells us Johnny's got a crazy memory. Watch him go. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really, like, you barely see them do the task, honestly. Mm-hmm. And they're moving these kayaks around so quick. Lots of flashbacks to earlier in the race, and ultimately, um, it's kind of all she wrote because Greg and John are going to pass Joel and Garrett. Uh, very deflating, I'm sure, for them to see Greg and John leave. And then it's going to be a race to the mat. And Jess, did you buy the fake out at all of like, oh, who's going to get it? Who's going to get there? Honestly, I kind of did because it was that close. Yeah. I, I like they could have pulled it out. I was pretty sure. But there was that little lingering moment of doubt. And usually... Given that in a typical Amazing Race finale episode, the lingering moment of doubt leaves in the first five minutes of the episode, I would say I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm okay with, like, being, like, 90% sure it's going to be John and Greg, but what a story if it hadn't been. Mm -hmm. And, like, the possibility that a story was there, it stayed on for much longer than usual. Sure. I, I love the haunted house aspect that Greg was feeling of, like, I see a car. Is it them? We better speed forward. And, like, it turns out, again, we'll ask them, probably not. It was probably like a park ranger or something, and it just freaked them out. Mm -hmm. I would love to see like a car chase in the final Amazing Race leg. Like somebody would probably die. Like there's usually a reason <laughs> they do not let you drive to the final thing. Um, I have a question about the editing of this sequence, like with the flashbacks throughout the memory challenge, because we lost something at the top of the episode that we typically... I think it's been a few seasons since we've seen this, but it used to be like a staple of the final leg. You would have Phil narrating the recap and then it would show every team and it would show Phil eliminating every team in sequence. And this mm -hmm. time they split screened all of them at once. Yeah. I want to know how teams. you guys felt about that. Do you, do you miss it at all? I mean, I missed it, but it was too many teams, right? They had to eliminate 10 teams, the most in Amazing Race history. They're like, yeah, we have 90 minutes, but we still have a lot to get through. I don't know, but yeah, we still have 90 minutes. I wonder maybe in Amazing Race 36, uh, when we maybe do not have as much footage and we have the 90-minute time slot, I wonder if maybe we definitely get that in the final leg. Yeah, the recap of the final leg mm -hmm. in 36 is going to be 30 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also, like, I felt like their narratives that they do, because Phil also kept that in, right, that he, like, usually recaps the journey for the three teams. Some of them felt a little stretched. The Rob and Corey one in particular of, like, Corey faltered at the at the pot roadblock. But then after that, they recovered from that stumbling point. It's like, I mean, you could also talk about, you know, them bungling the detour that, you know, uh, had, them, had them going for the express pass. Like, they kind of obfuscated a lot of stuff with Rob and Corey's journey of, like, they screwed up once the entire race, and here they are. Mm -hmm. well, do we need, maybe we do need it. Here is an itemized list of every way every single one of these teams screwed up. I mean, they basically start off the final leg tied, so I don't know how much we need to get, like, uh, their missteps along the way. I just feel like it was interesting as part of their journey of, like, mm -hmm. even though they stumbled a couple times, they were making calculated decisions. Like, they don't even mention the use of the express pass or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's always... It's a it's a great fiction of the amazing race that we all collectively choose to ignore the fact that 
everything that happened before this episode really does not matter apart from which teams are there. It's the friends they made along the way. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Greg and John race to the finish line and they really impress Phil because Phil says that this is the most excited he's ever seen any team racing to the final leg. Jess, could that be true? How could you not be excited racing to the final leg? Like this seems like he's really, this is like shaving a hundredth of a second off of your marathon time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, yeah no, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, if, if, I'm sure there's a compilation video like there is for Survivor winner reveals of like every single, you know, winning Amazing Race team crossing the finish line. I would imagine a lot of it is exhaustion. There certainly was a lot of energy for them. I mean, John like nearly fell well, on his way. How great would that it. have been? Like if we're going to ever see this in Amazing Race season. So, so uh, Johnny like, yeah, almost bit it on the way to the mat. And then we imagine like Joel and Garrett like end up like uh, <laughs> running past them. Beep, that would have been amazing. Yeah. I I mean, maybe there there is the fact that frequently the team that wins is the most boring team. So mm. there is that. Like maybe those teams are a little bit less excitable. Like, you know, Bates and Anthony probably didn't leap up in the air for joy when they won the amazing race because they were at a three the entire time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I could see I could see that. But yeah, I would also I think nobody's gonna top Will and James, for instance. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say though that was like a different type of excitement because obviously there was also a lot of nervous energy affiliated yeah. with that as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but nobody's that like that as far as like lifetime high moments of amazing yeah. race contestants. I don't think you top that. Yeah. And they're jumping. And so uh, very excited to ultimately end up doing it again. Congratulations to Greg and John. Uh, and then here comes Joel and Garrett. Two minutes later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, they they deal with it in the way they dealt with basically everything this season, which is like, oh, well, we still had a great time and mm-hmm. it worked successfully for them. It was a nice reminder, as they mentioned, like, yeah, we never fought. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess they never did fight. Arguably, I would say the three teams that fought the least were our final three teams. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Jess, is that tell us something about New Era Amazing Race? I don't know. We've seen a lot of teams. We've seen teams fight and still make it to the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've well, also seen a lot of fights get edited out. Like Derek and Claire told us, right? That like yep. they, they did went through a lot on the race that wasn't shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, this was some great bonding time for Smythe and Strassert that they had uh, basically the best time that they could have ever had together. But now back to the families. Now, Garrett did say at one point that he wanted to take his family up to Seattle. Do you think he'll do that still? No. Or are there bad no. memories No, I think he's like, I n- never mentioned Seattle to me again. You know what's great this time of year? Portland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I hate? Grunge music. Burn the Weezer jacket. Never drinking coffee again. Yeah. But no, it was a great run for them. Yeah, that they were like, uh, you know, they did not have the easiest road to get here to the final three. You know, uh, they were sort of like at times like at the back of the pack. And so for um, the Joel and Garrett team, like this was a good run for them. Yeah, and I I do think that they sort of were kind of like 
I don't know, like a competent team in Dandrew clothing, if that makes sense. Dandrew uh, is a team from the Amazing Race 13 that were these two frat bros that were the biggest pair of bumbling idiots perhaps the race has ever seen that somehow stumbled ass backwards into the final three. And I think on paper, you're like, wow, Joel and Garrett are really outmatched. You know, there were several moments where they found themselves in the back of the pack, certainly more than the other two teams. But like they have their flashes of competence and skill. And that came to show here. And again, all that matters is the final leg. And I think it was a fun example of, yeah, again, yet another microcosm of their team that, okay, you might think on the surface, like these guys are just going to be our consummate third place finishers get left behind from the jump. But no, they were in it to quite literally win it for the majority of the leg. It's a great job uh, for Joel and Garrett. And then ultimately Rob and Corey. And of course they were such a great story all throughout the season. And Phil highlights uh, that on the mat as they come in third place. Yeah, that was beautiful. I love their, love their bond. Loved seeing them. They were funny. They were competitive, like just a team that you love to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I felt for them getting third place here. I thought they were going to finish higher. And their comments on the finish line were just like probably the most emotionally touching moment of the episode for me, where Rob talks about like how appreciative he was that Corey signed with him and to him the entire time. And like how he clearly knows that his son is proud to be Coda, which I'm sure like he has a lot of emotions involved in that, you know, being a deaf parent of a child who's, who's able to hear but the fact that he has said yet time and time again, he is so proud of his son. And for him to also kind of show gratitude to him in this moment as well, really touched me. Yeah. No, they had a really great relationship and uh, very nice to see uh, in terms of like uh, just how close uh, Rob and Corey are and how well they get along. Like We didn't even get like a sense of like from whether it was like, uh, you know, Rob uh, getting frustrated with Corey or Corey is like, oh, here we go again, dad. Uh, you know, like uh, whatever, dad. You know, they didn't have any of that. So that's that's parenting goals. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't think that would be my situation on The Amazing Race. <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right. So uh, what about in the rear view? Amazing Race 35. I know uh, you two are such historians of the show. Um, Jess, I think you said it was a, a a very good season of The Amazing Race. Yeah, I think it's top half for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I think we had some really, we had some truly iconic moments. We had a variety of teams. We had very few duds in the, in the cast. We had some new locations. We had some unique locations and tasks. I didn't feel like they were phoning it in at any point. Yeah. And I think they really, there were so many moments where you didn't know what was going to happen, which I think is a hallmark of a good, amazing race season. Yeah. Mike, are they really build this season as, oh, this is old school, amazing race. This is classic, amazing race. We're going to see teams go. I mean, they went to the airport like once, you know, we saw some uh, booking uh, plane tickets. But overall, I mean, that, well, what were our issues with this season? I mean, literally, we were begging for scraps for mm-hmm. that. So, like, I will feast upon anything. I will go so far as to say this is the best Amazing Race season since probably 31. And there could be arguments made to put it above 31, especially if, like, you you don't know the um, the reality TV contestants from all three shows. I can imagine the value is a bit lessened from that. But I think that, to your point, Phil, in that previous time, was talking about this as sort of, like, 
a return to form amazing race uh, from a structural perspective, but it really felt that way in terms of tone as well. I know, of course, we're having the inevitable discussions of like, can reality TV have villains nowadays? But I do feel like we saw conflict, like actual conflict that did not really veer into toxic territory, in my opinion, and like led to genuine drama. We had so much variance. Like I was nervous for the season after the first couple legs. I'm not going to lie because they were short on tasks. We're like, we have 90 minutes. Why are we just doing a roadblock and a detour? And the placements were nearly the exact same, the first two legs. But I'll, I said it before, I'll say it again. Once we hit Vietnam, I think we really took off running and never stopped. I think then we got much more variance. The teams were, to Jess's point, much bigger hot messes, which again, I think led to a lot more of an entertainment value. We had both inter-team and intra-team drama going on as well, even if it feels a bit manufactured in retrospect. So it really did feel like a fill of, and quite literally a fill of being able to like get the doses of what I love about the amazing race. This idea of going to places and experiencing the culture, you know, going to Slovenia for the first time and seeing how beautiful it is getting to be part of a competition where literally anyone can go at any point in time. Remember, Jocelyn and Victor finished first place in the first two legs and then went into last place Mm -hmm. by the end of the fourth leg. I feel like to the point Jess made before, each team had at least a moment on the season, which I feel like is hard to come by, especially in a season with 13 teams. I really can't complain with too much. I guess the only thing I would say is that I do feel like in retrospect, we kind of hit our peak around like that first Slovenia leg where it was just that incredible comeback from Steven and Ali and every, everything going on with the express pass. We sort of went downhill from there, though I think we picked up a bit at the finale with just how exciting it was that Joel and Garrett could play it out. But I really have very little qualms with the Amazing Race 35. I know that 36, the upcoming season, was filmed first. So I would say don't be as expectant for next season to mirror this season in terms of structure, tone, etc. But if they use this as a blueprint of how to approach 37 on, I think we're in very good hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I do think that the future of 90 Minute Amazing Race uh, is definitely in question. Um, I get the sense that Survivor wants the 90 minute episodes. I feel like that, I don't know, do we have, we heard anything from the Amazing Race production that they want 90 minute episodes? Everything I've heard has has seemed to imply that they do not, <laughs> that they would prefer not to. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I guess we will, we have to, we're team players, but this isn't our choice. Yeah. Like I think we weren't supposed to be here. I'm sure Phil would jump on 90 minute tough as nails. Oh, easy. Mm, two oh, yeah. hours. Oh yeah. Easily. Right, you no, know, make it a full three hour block of tough as nails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could really get into everything. Uh, all the live damn feeds of vans. Tough as nails. <laughs> yeah. So definitely well, maybe think. not. I don't know if I want tough as nails people on live feeds. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> we could get into everybody's backstory more. So yeah, that would be great. But unfortunately, um, We'll see uh, what happens in the future with 90 Minute Survivor and The Amazing Race. But I do think that Survivor does really love the 90 minutes. You just got to fill yeah, that other 30 minutes on the schedule. Yeah. And they're, and they, I mean, for what it's worth, I think they've Ghosts used it UK. <laughs> Perhaps just three Ghosts UK episodes. I will say, really strong fall season of CBS reality TV. I know we have a couple of episodes left of Survivor at the time we're talking, but. I know this was a big experiment to do these 90 minute episodes. And I feel like we ended up being two for two on this big risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. 
Anything else about the Amazing Race 35 finale before we then have our exit press on Thursday? All right. Yep, good times. Always to, good times talking to you guys. Yeah, always yeah, fun. I, I think that was the thing is that even in episodes where it felt like, especially early on, where like nothing was really moving and nothing was really happening, I always have a great time no matter what the quality of the episode to come on and talk with the two of you. And thank you for keeping straight faces while I wear absolutely absurd we, It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always easy. I didn't always do that. Yep. Um, then, Mike, do we know the uh, premiere date for Amazing Race 36? Yes, Amazing Race 36, I believe, is premiering March 1st. Let me just double check right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, sorry. Wednesday, March 13th, actually. Halfway Jeez. through okay. March. That's a uh, Yeah, well, because they're doing two-hour episodes of both episodes one and two for Survivor 46, which is premiering, I believe, February 28th. Okay. All right. So it'll be some March madness uh, when the Amazing Race comes back. All right. Uh, Jess, for you, still quiet on the podcast front? I'm pretty quiet on the podcast front. Yeah. Taking okay. a little bit of a yachtus. All right. Well, going enjoy. on vacation with my family. So. Oh, okay. Anywhere uh, fun? Yeah, we're going to we're going to Universal Studios Super Mario Nintendo World. So Wow. Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. enjoy that. Looking forward to hearing how it all goes. Congratulations on another season of podcasting in the books for the Amazing Race. And then Mike, I know it's never slow for you. I mean, we're we're like slowing down a smidge. The heart rate's decreasing a bit. Rob, if you can believe it, our, you know, buckwild coverage of CBS Reality TV is finally coming to an end for CBS. The light is at the end of the tunnel. We have this, which obviously is coming to a conclusion this week. Uh, you, As we mentioned before, we're both going to be, and Jess as well, are going to be interviewing all three teams. And then next week is the big Survivor finale. Of course, I will be on with you this Monday for our seasonal feedback show, mm -hmm. sure to be filled with shenanigans as well for a shenanigans-filled season of Survivor. RHAP B&B &B as well. Uh, we had Ira Madison the third on and played a... Uh, NSFW game of categories. I will say that uh, we're going to have, of course, this week we're doing the BNB as well. And then over on post show recaps, uh, I am covering Battlestar Galactica. I'm covering Fargo. We're doing some year in review wrap up. So yeah, everything is all of a sudden coming to a close for the year. And I'm, I'm happy for my schedule's sake, but I'm also feeling a little wistful about yeah. just uh, how much we have been running in a sprint for the past few months. I felt like Steve, at certain points, but now I'm feeling Come like on, Johnny Mike. again. Come on, Yeah. So, yeah, really two more weeks of really very busy times that we go right into uh, Christmas. And then uh, also just keep your eyes peeled for uh, Mike and I's annual tradition of the best of the year, Brant Steele. If you have anything that you feel like should be in the best of 2023, Brant Steele, then go ahead and uh, let Mike Bloom know on Twitter. All right. In the meantime, yes. we'll be back on Thursday for our exit interview special. Thank you so much for joining us for our, our Amazing Race 35. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.